Sports with Matty B. I am your host, Matt Benarchek. It is Wednesday, October the 7th, 2020. And yes, the fight song does indicate victory. The Philadelphia Eagles on the national spotlight, on the national stage, defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25-20 on Sunday night, thus capturing their first victory of 2020 by a score of 25-20. to Now, a lot of people might be thinking, why am I reveling in a victory of the Eagles? Because I have been so anti-Eagles this season because I am an Eagles fan. And I will celebrate every single Eagle victory. And I will loathe every single Eagle defeat, regardless of what I feel and how I feel this season should be approached and how I think that – mismanaged or misrostered this team might be this year. The bottom line was they won, and I'm very happy for that. I watched that game Sunday night, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed the fact that we were a competitive team, and we were a team that that played competitively and fought and scraped and did what we had to do to try to win, and we won. A victory is a victory, regardless of how I feel about the team's current management state. So, With that being said, I will spend the next half hour or so breaking that win down. Um, We have a lot to talk about when it comes to that victory. We have a lot of things to discuss them on how they got there and whether or not this is now the trend of the Philadelphia Eagles season. The popular notion of Philadelphia this week has been this is, you know, a – I don't know, an anomaly to this season that the Eagles got lucky on Sunday night. But I don't, I, you know, listen, there, there is a there is a, um, a degree of luck in the National Football League. Absolutely. Um, there's a degree of luck in everything you do in life. But the fact is that the Eagles competed, and they competed hard with a very good football team in the NFC, the defending NFC champ, San Francisco 49ers. But as already previously stated, we, we knew that going into this game, both of these teams – we're pretty banged up. But as I discussed the other night um, with Kyle Quinn, this was, in fact, a battle of, of depth and a battle of what team had a more talented and deeper roster. And I guess based on the results on the field, we can call it the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit. As you all know that here in Philadelphia, we are a big fan of the game within the game. And there was certainly a lot of that going on Sunday night. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles came out in a, um, a do-or-die situation. Matter of fact, every single game is a do-or-die situation for this team right now, the way the season has started. But they answered the bell. They did. They won the football game. And in the beast of a division that the NFC East is this year, as I speak to you here on Wednesday, October the 7th, 2020, Philadelphia Eagles are in sole possession of first place in the NFC East. They are ahead of the 1-3 Washington football team, the 1-3 Dallas Cowboys, and the 0-4 New York Giants. 
So, yes, a 1-2-1 and one team is currently in first place in their division. So a lot of people are hanging their hat on that. A lot of people are, are saying as long as the rest of the division loses and we can kind of nickel and dime and scrape and scrape our way to victories, you know, this thing is not over. And it's true. It's not over. Um, and it probably wouldn't have been over if they would have lost on uh, on Sunday at 0-3-1. and But you know what? They won. They are now one, two, and one in, in sole possession of first place in the NFC East. But that is a, a we have a long way to go until we can crown a division winner. And we there's a lot of lot a lot a lot of football left. So let's jump right into this game here. Uh the Eagles. The Eagles played well. All right. The Eagles came out. Uh the 49ers won the toss, deferred. The Eagles um, came out and really had a bad offensive series. They were three and out. Uh, but the Eagle defense, all right, the Eagle defense played well. The Eagle defense played well throughout the game. Um, they did something on Sunday night that they hadn't done all season, and that was create turnovers. As a matter of fact, that was really the the measure of the game right there. The Eagle defense created two turn, uh, sorry, three turnovers, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery. One of the interceptions was returned for a touchdown, a pick six, and the Eagles outlasted the 49ers 25-20. But did they really outlet? Did they really win the football game? Well, I mean, they won the football game. But I defer to the fact that Nick Mullins, who was the backup quarterback for the 49ers starting that game, uh, played horribly. Um, he threw two gift interceptions, one of them being a pick six, and he could not get the San Francisco 49er offense moving at all. George Kittles did what he could. And by the way, George Kittles is a beast. He is the best tight end in the National Football League. I uh, gave the Eagles secondary fits all night long. I really accounted for a lot of their offense. 183 yards of it, actually, on 15 receptions and a touchdown. So a beast of a player. The Eagles didn't have an answer for George Kittles, but they had an answer for the rest of the 49ers attack. Um, the 49ers uh, went to a... Another quarterback late in the game in Bethard, um, kind of coming, C.J. Bethard, uh, who is their third-string quarterback. And that quarterback actually moved the football a little bit. Took him on a long drive, a long touchdown drive, directly after the pick six. And then actually led him back down the field again at the end of the game uh, to set up a Hail Mary attempt, which the Eagles defense did defend well, thus winning the football game. But it's how the Eagles won this game is what I want to talk about today. The Eagles came out aggressive. Uh, the play calling was aggressive. Doug Peterson, obviously, probably feeling the heat of the small balls, Doug type thing, uh, played a, uh, called a very aggressive game plan. Uh, when the Eagles scored the first touchdown of the game, they attempted a two-point conversion in the second quarter. Uh, the two-point conversion was successful. Doug went forward on multiple fourth down plays, and he was very um, he was very matter of fact on how he was playing Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was a quarterback on the move all night long, and not necessarily because he was on the pressure. Now, the, the pressure did get to Carson a couple times, but for the most part, the game plan was an aggressive game plan to move Carson around the pocket, roll him out. I thought Carson Wentz's uniform was a little bit too dirty for my liking at the end of the game, but it was effective. And like it or not, Carson Wentz is not a pocket passer. He is a rollout, a thrower on the move. He delivered some great plays on the move. He delivered some great pinpoint passes on the move. He also looked frustrated, 
A lot of people think Carson played well Sunday night. I thought Carson played better. I wouldn't say quite well, but he played better than he had in the previous three games. I still think mechanically he's not um, he's not right yet. I still think he's got a lot of voices in his head. But for the most part, Carson played well. He did throw another interception. So if you're keeping score at home, that's seven. That is basically his entire 2019 total of interceptions he's thrown. Um, now he's thrown it in four games. So that's a little bit of a disturbing stat. Okay. But and as I said, Carson got out, Carson got on the move, and Carson was accurate enough to help this team win. The young guys, the no-name wide receiver core of Travis Fulgham, John Hightower, uh, Greg Ward Jr., Devontae Burnett, uh, you know, they were a huge, huge factor in that game on Sunday night. Uh, Fulgham caught a beautiful 43-yard touchdown pass from Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson threaded the needle. He dropped it in in there. Um, really, the only player that could have had a play on that ball was the wideout. Uh, just a, a gorgeous pass and run. Um, so the young wide receiver, of course, you know, answered the bell. They answered the bell so much that another pop, popular narrative in Philadelphia this week has been whether or not the Eagles should continue to play these young guys, regardless or not, regardless that um, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffries are, are healthy or not. Meaning that these younger, hungrier wideouts, even though they may not be as talented and as experienced and as polished as Alshon and Deshaun, seem to give Carson Wentz a little bit better of an opportunity to play or and to win. Uh, Carson has ability to control these guys. I, and, and when I say control them, I mean um, these, these wideouts are just happy to be on the field. These wideouts are happy for the opportunity. They are playing like that. They are playing lights out. They are playing um, every play is your last type of play. So a lot of people are saying, you know what? Why don't we continue to roll these guys out there, regardless of whether or not Alshon and Deshaun are healthy? And that actually seems to be very, very legitimate concept or theory one that i'm that i'm very interested in what like kyle quinn might think next week when we talk about the steelers so that is something we'll talk about possibly leading up into the next game uh jordan mylata for the most part played a pretty solid game at left tackle uh kyle quinn brought up a very interesting uh point last week you know based on how jason peters had played through the first three games of the season could Jordan Malata actually perform worse? And the answer was no, he didn't. He performed better. It wasn't great. It wasn't polished. There were some technical issues. There were some breakdowns. But Malata played well enough to keep Carson upright, keep Carson able to move, and give Carson the extra time he needed to complete some passes. So all in all, the experiment on Sunday night, which really going into it, was just looked like doom and gloom all over the place. Um, again, the 49ers were were battered. Uh, they were they were decimated with injuries on their own. A lot of people thought that even with those injuries, and I'm one of these people, that the 49ers were a much deeper and talented team. Still kind of think that, but not on this night. The Eagles were better, and they deserved to get that victory. So a lot of a lot of positive vibes coming out of this game. Uh, Doug has definitely got the heat off him a little bit. Doug feels a little bit more vindicated. 
Doug feels a little bit, I would probably imagine more comfortable today. Um, getting ready, you know, moving into this week's game against Pittsburgh. Um, and honestly, let's let's face it, they needed it. They needed it bad. The bleeding needed to stop. <laughs> and they got it. But I am not coming off of my assessment of this football team. I, I still don't think they're talented enough. I don't think they're deep enough. But I think that what we saw Sunday night can be something that we build upon. And what I mean by build upon – why don't we let the younger guys play? Going forward, we're going to get we're going to need an assessment of what this team's what this team's looking like. Going forward in the 2021 and beyond, we need to see what exactly we have on this roster. And playing the young guys is the perfect way to do that. Win, lose, or draw. You roll with what you got and you deal with it. Your expectations go down. You're not necessarily out there, and I'm not let me let me please be very specific about this you always go out there wanting to win but maybe you go out there this time wanting to be a little bit more um deliberate in watching your players play putting them in opportunities to make to make plays and see what happens some of the plays will work some of the plays won't work but maybe at the end and then hopefully at the end of the day you have a better assessment of what exactly you do have on this roster so the jason peters the sean jacksons the alshon jeffries you know, the players along those lines of veteran experience, perhaps it is better to keep them off the field. Perhaps it is. And there's myriads of reasons. You know, the whole Jason Peters nonsense with wanting more money to play the left side versus the right side. The Alshon Jeffrey, whether or not he is the um, leak inside that Eagles locker room talking to the press saying that there's dissension and dysfunctionality. And let's face it, the Sean Jackson of just coming here one year too late and obviously not able to provide anything like the Deshaun Jackson of old. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, we made a mistake. Maybe that's what the, the Eagles can throw me the bone of. You know what, we made a mistake bringing these players here. So let's just sit them down and let's play the younger guys. However they want to do it, I think that would be the better option. I really, truly do. But a win is a win is a win. We got the victory. We're 25, or sorry, we're 1 2 and 1, first place in NFC East. Uh, we got a showdown with the uh, Battle of Pennsylvania on tap here for Sunday afternoon against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, in a stadium that, as of yesterday, with uh, Governor Tom Wolf's decree, that the state of Pennsylvania is now authorized to have at least up to 20% capacity in outdoor stadiums to watch sporting events. Um, perhaps now, you know, we can <clears throat> continue to move on that path of normalcy. So I am happy and excited the Philadelphia Eagles won on Sunday, uh, you know, uh, contrary to popular belief. I am moving on now to the Philadelphia Phillies again. Um, I'm not going to spend much more time talking about the John Middleton mess that he's made of this football, of this baseball team. You know, the, uh, the removing of, of Matt Klintak as the GM, but then not firing him, just reassigning him within the organization. And then that horrible press conference that he came out and basically, let's face it, he basically threw everybody in the organization with the exception of himself under the bus for the problems that the Phillies are having right now. Really starts to make me think, 
it's starting to make me think about the direction of this team. I truly don't understand, one, why you as an owner would come out and basically say, you know what, it's not me, it's them. Because at the end of the day, you are the owner. The, the buck stops with you. You are the fi final say on hiring. You should be at least. But then you also go out in this obscene decree of Andy McPhail as your president who remains your president, citing that he's had success in 1987 and 1991 as a general manager of World Series teams is completely ridiculous and completely really kind of like rocks my confidence in this ownership group to actually figure the Phillies out. And as every day as we move beyond, and, uh, you know, obviously the baseball playoffs are still happening, but as we move closer to the impending free agency, you know, every day we still, you know, it seems more and more of a likely pro proposition that JT Real Muto will not be a member of the Phillies in 21. I don't think he will be. And John Middleton sure as hell didn't give me any kind of, you know, confidence to think otherwise by that press conference. So the Phillies are a mess right now. The Philadelphia 76ers, well, they caught a break, ladies and gentlemen. They caught a break. They did. Last week, they hired Glenn Doc Rivers to be the um, new head coach of the Sixers. Now, Doc Rivers, for those of you who remember him as a very feisty player back in the 80s and 90s, uh, most, most notably with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, he went around to a few different other teams. I know he played in Houston for a while, and I think he played out last with Phoenix or something. But uh, – I am extremely excited about the hiring of Doc Rivers as the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. I think Doc is the um, perfect type of coach we need right now in this uh, millennialized, you know, pampered um, roster that we've assembled here in Philadelphia. I think what Doc will do is bring that maybe a little bit of dose of reality to these guys heading into next season. Now, whether or not Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can actually perform or play under the direction of Doc Rivers, that's going to be the uh, obviously one of the biggest stories uh, as we get closer to a potential or oh, whenever the next NBA season starts. They're talking about uh, mid-January now. But um, that is definitely going to be something to keep an eye out, and, we, and I will. Um, I personally am in favor of blowing up that roster. I think either uh, if you're asking me if I, you know, who out of the two – need to be traded. Uh, obviously, I think both of them do, but I think that in a very minimum, Ben Simmons needs to be traded. I think Ben Simmons could bring back maybe a couple players now and more importantly, uh, salary cap relief and draft capital, which we don't have any anymore here in Philadelphia with the Sixers. So we'll wait and see how this all pans out. Obviously, the odds that neither one of them get traded is pretty high. Um, let's face it, uh, you know, those two put butts in the seats. And when fans get back in those seats, Josh Harris is going to want to get that money back. So we'll see where they are with that. As far as the Flyers go, um, they have entered their um, – the NHL has entered into – of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. For those of you who are not tracking, they beat the uh, Dallas Stars in six games, uh, which is – you know, they are – that's deserving. Tampa Bay is a great team, and congratulations to them. As far as the Flyers and the NHL, the NHL has moved on to its restricted free agency period and its draft. And then here on Friday, unrestricted free agency will begin. Uh, the Flyers, some notable moves. Uh, Matt Niskanen, the veteran uh, defenseman, 
out of nowhere retired, um, which is a little bit concerning with uh, based on the mentorship role that he provided, uh, especially Ivan Provorov last year on that blue line. But uh, from a financial standpoint, it frees up $5 million in cap room, which I'm sure the Flyers could definitely use to potentially find a replacement for Niskanen or, a, um, or another scorer on this team. Uh, Justin Braun has been re-signed to a two-year deal. Brian Elliott has been re-signed to a two-year deal, uh, the goaltender. Justin Braun is a defenseman. Uh, Robert Haig was re-signed as, as a restricted free agent. Uh, so the, the Flyers are making some moves. The NHL draft is 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 happening as I speak right now. They are about uh, they're I think halfway through the third round right now. I will recap the NHL draft once it's completed. Uh, the Flyers have made two selections in the first and second round. They don't have a third round pick. They do have a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths. So we'll sit back and look at that at the end of the draft. And then, as I said, unrestricted free agency will begin here at the end of the week. So. Uh, some flyers should be on the move. Uh, and also, I believe some trades are going to happen here. I know the, the popular opinion around town is that Shane Gossesphere will be moved. Um, there's some names that they're throwing around out there. But we'll talk more about that uh, later on next week um, as I try to kind of cram all this into one or two podcasts. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it's a time right now in Philadelphia sports where right now, let's face it, the Philadelphia Eagles are the only show in town. And it gives you a little bit of um, excitement, especially the way the Eagles played the other night. I think that the fan base needed it. I think that um, the way the season has trended, the way the season has gone up to this point, you know, it would be very simple for the Eagles to have, you know, packed it up. Okay. I don't think the, um, again, I still believe that the continuity on this team and the depth on this team is just not adequate enough. Uh, but that's why they play the games, right? You know, and again, as long as they're playing in the NFC East right now, there's an opportunity to win that division with, I don't, I, I would, I would hedge to say that there's an opportunity to win the NFC East with six wins this year. The, the NFC East champion could be a six and 10 team, which is, is, is disgraceful, but it's the reality of the division. And that is a um, a carrot that's dangling out there for the Eagles that I think is not a not a good thing for them. I still believe you need to blow this thing up. I still believe come October 29th, the Eagles should be major sellers. I still believe that preparing for the future is more beneficial to this football team right now than trying to salvage this season. But at the very least bit, Doug Peterson can show his ability to coach, his ability to adjust and adapt and be creative, perhaps giving him the opportunity to be a coach next year here. Um, so a lot going on with the Eagles, a lot happening with Philadelphia sports right now. A, a bit, it's, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But it's the fall. And, of course, you know, with the news of the Big Ten and the majority of the power football conferences, college football conferences are coming back to play this month later on. People are getting excited again about sports. Things are starting to loosen up. Things are starting to get back to somewhat of a normal thing. And we're trending headstrong in that direction. So we weathered a storm. And we got to continue to weather that storm. But it looks like there's uh, there's some sunny skies on the horizon here. So... 
we keep moving forward to that. But anyway, um, so I just wanted to kind of break the Eagles game down, kind of give you an update on the Phillies, Flyers, and Sixers, and tell you that uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again. I will be back on Monday or Sunday, October the 11th, as we will sit here and we will talk down. We will we will break down the um, the next opponent for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that is, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Battle of Pennsylvania out there at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll have Kyle Quinn on. We'll have a whole bunch of things to talk about. Um, I'll hit him up with that uh, with that question about whether or not maybe we should play the young guys versus the veterans, and we'll have some fun with that. We'll continue to have fun with a lot of other things. I'm going to try to pop on before that podcast uh, to talk a little bit more about the Flyers, kind of break down their draft and break down the uh, free agency period that is looming on the horizon for the National Hockey League and a lot more. So until then, everybody take care.